You're listening to a podcast from Bayside Church International. I, I decided I'd just start at the book of Revelation, just go backwards through the whole lot. We've got plenty of time, haven't we? Nah. Said someone, someone said they'd like that, yep. <coughs> I wasn't getting too much other affirmation on that one. <coughs> now, <coughs> now, I've got a frog in my throat, which needs to go because it's annoying. When we're worshipping, on this really strong smell of, of soap, nice soap. And so I thought, someone just got a lot of soap on here. So I started walking around asking people, can you smell soap? And no one could smell soap. I've smelt stuff before here when the Holy Spirit's been around. Once I was over there and uh, I could smell honey. And I've heard of other people in the congregation from time to time saying they, they could smell stuff. And I'm thinking there, so... What, what is the soap? It wasn't like a strong, caustic, scouring soap. It was just a nice soap. I remember once when we were at Keith, this lady gave Maureen this soap. really looked nice and it took skin off. <laughs> it only ever got used once, didn't it, honey? only ever got used once. It wasn't that sort of soap. Nice, gentle, cleansing soap. And here is the word. For some, you've come today with a sense that you're unclean or you're dirty. You're soiled. And the word of God says, through the blood of Jesus, through the cross, there is cleansing. And today, for you, it is gentle, but it's cleansing. And you'll go out of here feeling clean. That is a word for some of us here today. You need to take that. And if you don't think you're worthy... He's worthy, and he says, yes. Now, I just got that out of the system. Are you happy? (laughs) So you should be. You have Jesus, so you should be happy. Now, that's not my original line. When we were in the city some years ago at a place called Woodville Gardens, we had a church in that area, in the parks area, the ghetto of Adelaide, it was called by the advertiser. We had a lot of Maoris and we had Aborigines and we had Torres Strait Islanders and a few Caucasian faces. And there was this Torres Strait Islander, George's name was, he was about that high, that far across the shoulders, a great guitarist, and he was prophetic. And he'd say, I've got to, can I say something, Pastor? I'd say, two minutes, which otherwise it could be two hours. No, I won't say what he used to say because he can say it. Now, and he'd say, are you happy? And he'd say, if you're not happy, you should be because you've got Jesus. So we have Jesus despite our circumstances, despite what, somehow the joy of the Lord can come within us. Some of you need to take that with you today. Some of you need to take that with you. That congregation was crazy. That was back in our Uniting Church days. And I want to say, we weren't very liturgical. The fact was, I never was. And I love this congregation because I could get away with so much. And so they have a thing where it's, it's technically it's fine, where you say, you read the Bible, they say, this is the word of the Lord, and people say, thanks be to God. The trouble is, it's droned. There's no excitement with it. We changed that. And this is how it went. You read it, and they'd respond. And I'd say, this is the word of the Lord. And they'd say, you better believe it. <laughs> The title of my message today is, You Better Believe It. (laughs) Now, in 2013, 
I, I took a trip to Africa. Some of you know about this. Some of you have heard some of this stuff. And I went to Uganda, to Western Uganda, <laughs> to stay with a friend of ours called Pastor Willie Tumweni. He's been here in Victor Harbour and he has a big church there in this city in Western Uganda. And so it was great. Every day I'd preach at lunchtime. 300 people would turn up to church at lunchtime for, for preaching. So there you go. They'd preach at lunchtime. Every night there'll be somewhere I'd be preaching the leaders. They had 120 people at their leaders' meetings. So their leaders' meetings were nearly probably as big as this congregation. So we'd be doing that. Wednesday night they'd have their Holy Spirit meeting. 500 people had turned up to that. Every meeting was a Holy Spirit meeting. But I was always preaching somewhere. Sunday morning, 400 came for the English-speaking service and 1,200 were there for, the, for the language, their own language service. It was, like, it was just an awesome time. I just loved it. I reveled in all of this stuff. Stuff was going on. And these people were absolutely amazing. And then the following week, we were going out to this village called Babare. And they were having a conference. <laughs> now, a village out there means bush tracks, getting to it, mud, so the buildings are made of mud and, and wood and stuff like that with tin roofs. And they just scattered here and there, not much power. The church power was a generator set and if they had to every now and then take a whip around to get petrol to run the generator. So it was like that. You go into the church, this mud church with a tin roof and only two-thirds of the roof covered, and there's all these mobile phones on, on tables out the front. And then I realised that's how they get there. Any time there was power, that's how they... Ch Everyone's got mobile phones there. Go figure. Go figure. No power, but you've got phone cover. So went out there, and it was sort of like... Yeah, the toilets were like stakes with heshing around them out the back and stuff like that, and uh, that... Yeah, that was interesting. And... Um, and so we're having a crusade in, in more in the town centre, which really wasn't much of a town centre. And they'd built this stage and it was about this high and it was that rough. I got up on there and I thought, I'm going to break my ankle here. And they're up there dancing. I can't do the style of dancing these people. It's just, they're dancing and singing. A lot of these people have, had, had made CDs and stuff like that. Everything was sort of like, just didn't make sense. But it was awesome. And there's people dancing around, there's families, these little kids. One day I'll bring some video of this, this kid about this big dancing and he's already got those African moves. And, and so this, it's just such a happy, happy thing preceding this crusade and I was a preacher. Five minutes later, I was up on the platform and then I saw this line of policemen marching down the hill. The first four were in khaki uniforms with batons peak caps, and they were local constabulary. And the next six had dark uniforms, flak jackets, helmets and visors, pads on their arms, knee pads, boots, side arms, machine guns <coughs> and, and grenade launchers for tear gas and stuff like that. Finally, they all pulled up and faced us and the sergeant then started telling telling us that we had to leave, that we didn't have permission to do that. Pastor Willie is standing up there. By this time, I was down off that platform wondering what to do. He, with his Akubra on, which is a weird sight, st staring this guy down, not saying a word. We had permission. It had been denied and had been given again by, obviously, authorities don't talk to each other. There's a lot of corruption in that country. Someone didn't want us there. <laughs> so we got down and then the police started moving amongst the crowd and this, this big... Burly policeman walked past me with his baton and I thought, 
this could get really unpleasant here. And they were looking for the generator to shut the, the music off because that was still blaring. And <coughs> Ronnie Lang, some of you know her, she's a local. She'd been working there for a while and she says, Rob, let's just get in the car. <coughs> so we got in the van and we, we sat in there and next thing, people just started running and going everywhere. And then, the, then she, the, one of our young guys, he was running somewhere. They're after him and trying to get... He took photos. They don't like their photos being taken. And, and they're running. And next thing, there's, there's these explosions and tear gases going off everywhere. And people are screaming. A place just emptied in no time. I look down a, a side street or a road and there's a woman with a three-year-old running. And there's tear gas exploding alongside them. And then a couple of our guys from the church, young guys, come out. Boy, they wanted water and to wash their eyes out. And then Bronnie says, close the door. The smell of tear gas, if you've never smelt tear gas, is not an experience you need even bother to pursue. It was awful. It was awful. <coughs> and people just went. The sound had gone. The uh, police had convinced our guys that we needed to leave. Well, everyone had gone anyway. So we packed everything up. The ute wouldn't start with all the sound system and the generator, so we just drove down to the church in another vehicle, and it got dark. And so there's no street lights, and I'm sat there in the van, Bronnie's there, it's pitch black outside, and they're all outside, talking at the tops of their voices in a language I didn't know. This went on for quite a while, and after a bit, there's a bit of bravado sounding in the voices, and I think, we just need to go. One stage, I think Bronnie was just going to get in and just drive the thing and leave them to it. Eventually, they all piled in. We headed back into the city, and the guys are all talking in their own language, and there's bravado, and so more, 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 it was Bronnie, and I started talking with Australian slang. I thought, we can talk to each other so they can't understand us. I'm not sure why I wanted to do that. Finally, got back to Pastor Willie's place. I want to say this shook me a bit. I thought, I don't know what's going to happen here. It could have, it got bad. It could have got really nasty. I've never, I've never seen so many things like AK-47s and until I went to that place. <coughs> that evening, well, <coughs> a bit later, Bronnie talked to Pastor Willie and he couldn't see what we were really worried about because we didn't have to worry about it. Well, you, you do worry about it. And I said, I'm not going back there. I, you, know, I, I, you, you, don't, you didn't tell me what was going on. They don't tell you what's going on because they don't want to worry you <laughs> with things. I'm not going to go back there. Uh, I just, I didn't know what I was going to do. The next morning I'm thinking, oh, maybe I might go back tomorrow, just have the day off and get over it and um, work it out. And Bronnie came and she said, yeah, <coughs> maybe you could go back tomorrow. And so despite my fear and reluctance, I went back <coughs> and preached the word of God and there was miracles, and there were salvations, and people got healed. Stuff happened. Really incredible stuff happened in that mud church, in that mud village that only had two-thirds of a roof, and the pastors that had come from miles to go to that conference who were sleeping in there and been fed by the church. Stuff just happened. You see, Jesus had called me there. And the Holy Spirit had empowered me there. But I needed to make a choice, and the choice was to believe that the Holy Spirit would empower me, to believe that the, that the Holy Spirit would take care. In other words, I had to choose to, over belief or fear. I had to choose that my belief 
was bigger than my fear. And there were miracles. And lives got changed. <coughs> near the end of the message, I've just got a couple more things I want to say about this before near the end of the message. So, we need the Holy Spirit. We need to believe in the Holy Spirit. Often when we look at stuff happening, we say, this is the work of Jesus. But who is there making it all happen? It is the Holy Spirit. So we need, to, we need to believe in him. We need to believe he's real and he also will work with people like you and people like you and you and me. I'm going to read this scripture from Acts chapter 19. And this is what it says. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul travelled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them. No, they replied, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. That was interesting. How many people haven't really ever heard about the Holy Spirit, yet would say they're Christians? It happens. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said John's baptism called for the repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later. As soon as they heard this, they were baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus, and when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came and came on them and they spoke in other tongues <coughs> and prophesied. just want to say to those who are reluctant about getting into the prophetic area <coughs> because you haven't been a Christian long enough, they were Christians like one second and away they were going. They're filled with the Spirit and away they were going. So there you go. It doesn't take much. It doesn't take much. We need to have this belief in the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John chapter... 14, verse 26. Is that what it is up there? There you go, it's up there. I just need to look up there. I could have all my notes up there, couldn't I? That's an idea. <laughs> no notes here. They say, oh, they, they, no one uses notes in this church because they're right there. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, in some versions, is called the comforter. The Holy Spirit will comfort you. Sometimes you need comforting. He will nurture you. He will teach you stuff. He will remind you of what Jesus has told you. And Jesus has told all of us heaps of stuff, and he'll remind you of that. You need to learn not to ignore the Holy Spirit and to believe in him, and that when he speaks, it's good for us. And he empowers us. In Luke's Gospel, <laughs> chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, Maybe you just could flick that over, that's it. One day, this is really good. I didn't need to buy that new Bible with massive print. I could have just done it this way. One day, Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to go out, to go out, to go and go out, to cast demons out, I'm not reading properly, and to heal all the diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. If you read John, um, Luke chapter 10, there's a similar story where Jesus sends 72 out to do the same sorts of things. 72 no-names, by the way. 72 people who we don't have a clue who they are. But Jesus knew who they were, put his hand upon them and sent them out. And they went out doing stuff, healing people, casting out demons. When the 72 came in, came back, they were so excited. Even the demons obeyed us. They were excited. People were getting saved, people were getting healed. 
demons were being cast out and they were totally excited. So they do this amazing Jesus stuff because he gave them power and authority. Now, Jesus, we need to understand this. At Jesus, at this point of time, is a human being. He is truly human. All the superpowers, he doesn't have. All knowing everything, he doesn't have. Being everywhere, he's not. What he retains is the nature of God. So his authority has to come from the Father. And he has the authority because of the Father. And his power comes from the Holy Spirit because he himself is filled with the Holy Spirit. And so here at this point you see almost a pivotal, 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 how do you say that, Matt? Yeah, you know what I mean. Time in history between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The New Testament was just in those early days. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come from time to time for a particular reason and then probably go. There were exceptions, but most of the time he would come and then he'd go. But, and here we see something similar, the Holy Spirit coming for a purpose. But after, after Pentecost, he stays. And he's here with us now. Now that is pretty amazing that he wants to hang around with people like us. Yeah, you have a look at each other, you think, really? But he does. He does. And how trustworthy are we? Some better than others. But he makes us trustworthy. He grows us to be like Jesus. <coughs> so he empowers us. He empowers us to be like Jesus, to talk about Jesus, to tell people about Jesus. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 will tell you that the Holy Spirit is going to come and he'll empower you to be... Let's have that one up. Yeah, there we go. And he will come. You'll receive power and the Holy Spirit comes. Basically, to be his witnesses. And being a witness for Jesus is more than just talk. It's also being like Jesus, loving people, helping people, <laughs> healing people, doing miracles. If Jesus did it, that's what you do. That's being a witness for Jesus. That's my take on it. That's my take on it. And Matt will fight anyone who disagrees with me because he's bigger than me. <laughs> I, I thought, it's no good me threatening anyone because basically you just got to go, and over I go. Happens all the time. <laughs> Happens all the time. Anyway. So he gives, he gives us supernatural abilities. Most of us, all of us, have some sort of ability in our life. It's some sort of gifting that we seems to be natural. And even these types of gifts and abilities, when the Holy Spirit gets in them, they just sort of explode and just become so amazing. But beyond that, he gives us gifts to, that, that just, we just never had, to be able to speak in tongues, to be able to heal people, to have insight into what is going on with people for miracles. We all have that. Some people have it in a sense of a gift that it becomes there all the time and it's like a ministry. But all of us can pray for the sick and sometimes people get healed. All of us can prophesy without necessarily being full-on prophets. And uh, that's big in this church. How many here have been doing that prophetic training recently? Put your hand up. Let's have a look at you. Some of you, there's quite a few of you <coughs> have been doing that. And others have been to seminars and things have been doing on that. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to pray for the Lord to give you some prophetic insights. I'm going to do that in a sec. And I'm going to probably do it in a bit of an odd way. 
<laughs> so you, I'm going to get you. I'm going to pray for, for that you would have prophetic words or insights for the church, and you'd have prophetic words and insights for each other, and that. And just to sort of add something else into the mix, you might choose to say, Lord, what is the prophetic word for the church with that door? That door? Or what is the prophetic word for the church with that speaker? Or what is the prophetic word for the church for that box of cushions? You think this is funny. I was driving <laughs> down a street one day with a young pastor that, that, that I'd known forever, and... I said, she were talking about prophecy and I said, well, you're prophetic. Yeah, I know, she said, but, but you know, we had this sort of conversation. I said, well, see that sign? What's the prophetic word out of that? And she looked at it and I can't remember what the sign said, but it had the word Bacchus on it. So Bacchus is something out there near Investigator College around the back there. Oh, yeah, that's that. Yeah, that, that's it. Bacchus is to do with wine, fresh wine, new wine, Holy Spirit being poured out in lives. She just got it straight away. But further, there was some empty rubbish bins. It was raining. What's the word there? Rubbish being cleaned out of our lives, the fresh, fresh water cleansing the bin, Holy Spirit clean. So it's not that hard. It's not that hard, uh, although she is smart, but it's not that, it's not that hard. So there's things like a speaker and <laughs> a door, a box of cushions. So this one I'm going to pray that you'd get prophetic words. Now, if you have a prophetic word for the church, hang on to it. Give it to Chad afterwards or one of the leaders. Don't come running up here. We haven't got time for it. And that. But if, if it is for the, the whole church to be heard, Chad will work that out with you. And if you have a word for each other, wait till the end of church to give the word. Don't go running over here and cause absolute chaos. I don't want to cause chaos at this time. Now, are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? All right, stand up. Yep, on your feet. On your feet, you Yankees! <laughs> it came out of a movie I saw once, so nothing to do with this. Okay. All right. Are you happy? Yes. So you ought to be. <laughs> we have Jesus, and you have the Holy Spirit in you. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? Does anyone don't? Just asking. <laughs> Brave if you say you don't in this, in this place. Okay, close your eyes, open your hearts and lift your, lift your hearts to the Lord. If you're a hand on the heart person, do that. If you're lifting your hand person to the Lord, do that. Whatever, place yourself in, in, in before him. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come that, and bring power to your people here today? Open the hearts of your people here today, Lord that they might sense your presence, they might hear your voice, they might audibly or inaudibly just know you are speaking to them. And I pray, Lord, that amongst your people you would bring words for this church. Holy Spirit, come. And I pray, Lord, that you'd bring words for individuals, bring words of prophetic words to the person on your left and for the person on your right. And for just someone you put in whose name you put in their heads. The Holy Spirit come. Make your presence known. Speak to us as your people, Lord. Amen.
Take a seat. I was feeling like I don't really want to break into that now. Yeah. Without too much fuss, if God gave you words for the church, could you just put your hand up so we can see it? Some of you would have had this one back there. Yeah, any more? There's another one here. So if you have words for church, just share them with Chad later on if you would. Did you have words for people in the church for, on either side of you or around you? Did you have that? Put your hand up if you did. Yeah, there's some there. Yeah, there's some there. There's quite a few actually. Would you make sure <coughs> after church you go and deliver that? Because if the Holy Spirit gives you something, you're no business in keeping it yourself. Ah, oh, that feels better. <coughs> the church has always believed in the Holy Spirit. The church has always believed that the Holy Spirit is God. And if you look in the New Testament and try to find where it tells us that, it's a little bit hard to find. There's vague bits that sort of show it. If you try and find in the New Testament where Jesus is God, bits will pop up. If you get a Jehovah's Witness coming to your door, they'll know how to counteract that because they've been trained. We learned how to find bits that they hadn't noticed and then they learned that and then they learned how to counteract that. But at the end of the day... Church has always believed the Holy Spirit is God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Has always believed that. It wasn't until after a few hundred years, two or three hundred years, when heresies were starting to happen and people were starting to come up with some weird ideas that the church realised they needed to formulate a statement that really nailed it down, that God's Father, God is Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And so the creeds started appearing. So first you had the Apostles' Creed, there's a few of them, and the Nicene Creed. And so basically with the Nicene Creed, in a, basically it says, we believe in God our Father, we believe in, in Christ, God the Son, we believe in the Holy Spirit. Or if it's a personal thing, it's I believe. At the end of the day, we believe that the Holy Spirit is God. And we have this <coughs> really incredible thing called the Trinity. God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, three in one. One God, but Three persons. How does that work? Well, I just told you. That's how it works. It's not complicated. It's just very hard to understand. In fact, it's so hard to understand, people write volumes of books on this because no one can understand it. But it's not that complicated. It's not that complicated. Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And how does it work? <laughs> well, the church fathers had all sorts of ideas and they, someone came up with this term perichorosis, which, can you say that? You, you all knew that, didn't you? Yeah, of course you did. And it, was sort of, it sort of means something like interpenetrated with each other. And so they sort of interpenetrated with each other, sort of have always had this picture of the triangle being rounded off with these bits. Anyway, as I said, it's very hard to understand. And then one day... Not long ago, I was reading my Bible, as you do, and I'm just telling you that so you know I read my Bible outside of preaching. <laughs> and Jesus was saying to the Father that he's in the disciples and the disciples are in him. Somewhere else, Jesus is saying he's in the Father and the Father's in him. And I thought, if I'm in Jesus and he's in the Trinity and they're all interpenetrated, do I get a leg in there? Do I get a leg in into the Trinity? Do I, do I th that's pretty interesting because it's really clear. He's in me, I'm in him. So 
I'm, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> so I started hunting it out to see what other people had to say who, who's, who um, have PhDs in this stuff. And someone said, well, yes, in a way, but you need to remember, he didn't quite say it, but this is the message of God, that there is a vast difference between us and God, even though we get this leg in. Just thought I'd tell you that. What I'm trying to say, <coughs> we as a church believe in the Holy Spirit and we as individuals need to believe in the Holy Spirit for us as well. We need to do that. <coughs> we can't, can't contain him. You try and contain the Holy Spirit, you have a really boring, dry church. I didn't grow up in church, but as a kid you have to, used to have to go to Sunday school and things like that. So this Holy Spirit was mentioned in certain hymns or when church finished, Father, Son and Holy Ghost type of thing. But no one ever talked about it, did any? It's all Jesus and the Father and that, and that was it. Remember Maureen might say to me, how does that all work? And I tried to explain it to her. Didn't do a good job because I didn't have a clue. Didn't have a clue. And so there you go. So the church so often has sort of separated the Holy Spirit out by not really doing much with him or talking too much about him and, just, and when they say the power of the Holy Spirit really don't talk about that either. However, we're in a Pentecostal church. And, we're, and this is big on our agenda. It's big, isn't it? Holy Spirit stuff is big, isn't it? It's big, isn't it? Come on, get enthusiastic. Big, isn't it? It, it, it? This is big on our agenda. The danger that you can get so Pentecostal you can forget about the Father. We need to keep the balance, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We have this awesome, awesome, awesome God. So you can't contain the Holy Spirit. As a people, as a church, we could talk about the Holy Spirit and say, how amazing he is this. And outside of church, nothing happens. We could get up here and do all sorts of incredible prophetic stuff and people get healed, but outside of church, <coughs> nothing happens. And nothing will happen unless we engage the Holy Spirit seriously. We relate to the Holy Spirit <coughs> as being our incredible God and we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want to say to you, if you are not filled with the Holy Spirit, if you are not baptised in the Holy Spirit, God can fix that today. He can. God can fix that today. If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, your joy will ought to be. Why? Because God wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He loves you that much. He wants to empower you to be all you can be and more in the power of Jesus and to do Jesus stuff, so you need the Holy Spirit for that. If you have the Holy Spirit, your life is bigger and it's better and it's more far-reaching. There's more insight. There's more future. Your sense of destiny unfolds. You start to understand who you really are as a son or daughter of God. So your dumb will need the Holy Spirit. You need to be baptised in the Holy Spirit. And if you're not, I won't let you out of here until you are. <laughs> you're laughing at me now. I had this friend, <coughs> well, he's still alive. He's cracking on a bit, but he's still like Dan Armstrong. And there was him and another crazy guy at the time called Harry Westcott, and they were here in South Australia, and they were doing ministry, I think it was the Tea Tree Gully Uniting Church. Horry Duncan was the pastor there, and he was really promoting this stuff. He was, he was like in the vanguard of all this Holy Spirit charismatic renewal stuff happening, and he wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit because he didn't need it. Everyone else did. Anyway, one day Dan and Harry and Horry went, Harry and Horry, yeah, went for a drive and they went to the top of Mount Lofty. 
and they took the keys off Horry and they said, we're not letting you down from here until you're baptised with the Holy Spirit. So he had to submit to these brothers and he got filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a pretty... F- so I was saying, well, maybe... That's an idea. Anyway, I'll just... <laughs> <laughs> when you read your Bible, and I know you do, <coughs> you start from the book of Genesis and work your way through to the book of Revelation... The Holy Spirit is like a thread going through the pages. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, <coughs> the Spirit of God is there. When the Old Testament talks about the Spirit, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. There's no other Spirit of God. It, the Spirit of God is the Holy Spirit. <coughs> when God breathed life into Adam, it is the Spirit of God that was breathed. The word is like breath, which is used for spirit or wind. So you have things like this. There's this amazing story in the book of Numbers, and Moses has set aside, God told him to set aside 72 (coughs) elders. This is Numbers verse 11. And set aside all of these elders, and and, uh, God was going to put some of his spirit upon them. And so at the point of time, 70 of them turned up and the Spirit of God was put on them and they were prophesying and going crazy and, and just behaving in unusual ways. Two of them were somewhere else and they got filled with the Spirit there as well. And then I think it was Joshua comes running in and saying, there's all these people out there behaving crazy. And, then, and Joshua saying, make them stop. And this is what Moses said. And we need to hear this. Are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and the Lord would put his spirit upon them all. And as someone who's been around the church for a long time, I just say, yeah. We as a people need the spirit of God. And so we need to believe in him. We need to believe in the Holy Spirit. And he is also for us. In James chapter 2, verse 20, pop that one up, then yeah, that'll be good. He said this to, James said this, How foolish, can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Well, we know that. We're all familiar with that, those verses. We're all familiar with that, aren't we? Yeah, come on, yeah. You're all familiar with that? And so we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the presence of the Holy Spirit so that our faith can translate into good deeds. If you start trying to do good Christian deeds without the Holy Spirit, you find you come unstuck after all. So you need this supernatural power. You need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to, to fuel our faith to, so our faith can be put into action. So our belief needs to be put into action. So we need the Holy Spirit for that. It really works. Now, I'll tell you this. <coughs> this, what I'm about to tell you, I've never told you before. Well, might have, but probably not. I'm going to talk about someone who is living, someone who lives in this community, and I'm sure she won't mind me telling you. But some of you know Zoe Wade. <laughs> some of you know Zoe. I'll just call her Zoe. When we first came, she's in her early 20s now, and she's getting married soon, and she's just this amazing woman of God, young woman of God, who, 
who will be like a real, how would you put it, revolutionary for Jesus. She should have lived in the time of the Jesus people. You know, she, she, she'll be amazing. Her, her and her future husband, they will do great things and they will probably get labelled as, as being in, in, in odd ways but they will do amazing, amazing things. So Zoe, when we first came across her, she came to church and she was about three, this little dot with these big glasses and, uh, and she had real issues with her eyes <coughs> that they, and that. So we had this kids' camp and <coughs> we had this kids' camp and, and, and there's all these electives going on with the kids' They had electives were like you know card making, preaching, prophecy things. I'm kidding you not. She went to the preaching one with Maureen. Maureen and her worked out a sermon on the following the Sunday. She preached her first message at eight years old. Hey, way to go, hey Zoe. So at school she was on fire for Jesus. She went to a Christian school, and at Christian school a lot of the kids aren't Christians and the Christian kids often get a hard time in the Christian school from the non-Christian kids. Often happens. And she, these girls, she's about eight or nine, are bullying her. And Zoe was never a big kid. She was always quite slight. And they're bullying her about being a Christian and they, and they were on the, I think they were on the lawns and they something like, well, if, you, if, if, God's, if God's real, he could make a bit of grass float. Can he do that? And Zoe says, yes. So she gets a blade of grass, puts it on her hand and prays and the grass lifts <laughs> and just stays there steady. Those kids change their attitude. <laughs> At least one of them turned to the Lord in a short time. Not long after that, <coughs> Paradise Church had brought a team down to do some children's ministry at Gateway when we were there. <coughs> and there was a lot of kids and it was a great team. Lorraine Evans was heading it up. She's scary. And um, even, the, even there was a guy there who was full of muscles. He was scared of them. He was part of what was, what was it, Team Impact? Power team, the power team. He was part of that. You know those muscle men with muscles on muscles and they break blocks of ice with their heads for Jesus, you know, and they... they <laughs> They would, they would rip phone books in half and all of that sort of thing and somehow in this they'd get people's attention and preach the gospel. So they had one of those guys with them. And so he's doing stuff, tearing phone books in half and sharing stories about Jesus, yeah, getting Coke cans and breaking them in half and didn't have any ice to crack. And then he gets a frying pan and he just rolls his frying pan up. Who can do that? He did. And then he says... Somehow he got, I can't remember, he got Zoe out. She's like eight or nine, and this little thing. And he says, gives her a frying pan. He says, do you believe you could, fry, you could roll this up? She says, no. Do you think if Jesus helped you, you could? She says, yes. And so it's okay, and she gets and she rolls it up. I saw this happen. I saw this happen. Why? Because she believes. You need to believe in God. You need to believe in the Holy Spirit for things like this. You know, when, <laughs> when, pe people, when people get filled with the Spirit, they get warm. Something warms up inside them. <laughs> John, when you read the stories of John Wesley, when he got saved, he felt strangely warm. The disciples on the road to Emmaus were strangely warm or even something burning in, burning in their hearts. 
One time we're having baptisms at Gateway and we're heading down to the beach and this is an 11-year-old and she said, I'd like to get baptised but I'm not really sure. And so I said, do you believe in Jesus? She said, oh, I don't know. So we talked about that for a few minutes. I led her to Jesus. She received Jesus. I said, you can be baptised now. And I said, how do you feel? And she says, she says I'm really warm inside. I'm like, I'm, I'm really warm inside. Stuff happens. You get, I got warm when I got filled with the Spirit. <coughs> some people get warm when they're filled with the Spirit. Someone saves, some too. Some, some for both. When I got filled with the Spirit, I was really warm on the inside. So how did Maureen and I even know about the Holy Spirit? We were going to church, but they weren't saying a lot there. They, that was all for those strange people in other churches. But there was a couple in our church who told us, Graham and Diane Hall. And Graham was too good to be true, except it was. He was like cherubic face, looked like a 16-year-old, even though he was around 30. And, and his wife, <coughs> Diane, was much the same sort of person. And he was very clever. He was someone who intimately knew the Holy Spirit. And they told us. Maureen said something about some books, and he said, you could read this, and, that, and he said, that one's something to do with charismatic. I said, what does that mean? Let me tell you. So they told us about the Holy Spirit. Because he was so good, we believed him. 40 years ago, we believed him because he was so good. His, his life just promoted trustworthiness. And so I can remember kneeling on the floor of their lounge in this little trust home in the western parts of Wyala, these two laying hands on us, praying for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I can remember floating around for weeks and, and being warm on the inside. And as time went by, that warmth became a burning fire. This is what the Holy Spirit does. In, in Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9, Jeremiah says these words, his word burns in my heart like a fire and it's like fire in my bones and I grow weary of holding it in. This is Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9. <laughs> Jeremiah had been arrested the day before. He'd been beaten up. He'd been put in the stocks overnight. He was in a bad way. He gets let out of the stocks. They tell him, don't you go doing any of that sort of preaching again. <laughs> And he basically gives them a prophetic survey as to what's going to happen to them, which is pretty awful. And then he proceeds to complain to God. It's worth reading the chapter. Complain to God. But the thing is, his belief in God was so big that it overread his, his bad attitude, so to speak. He had good reason to have a bad attitude. He was hurting. He was bleeding. He was, he was hungry. He was tired. And he was, wasn't doing well. But that was overridden by this fire that was in his heart. And so for Jeremiah, the presence of God was bigger than his fear. And so the Holy Spirit comes and brings the word of God to life and that word burns deep within us. Holy Spirit does stuff like this. And sometimes we need to say, Holy Spirit, you come and light that fire inside of me or breathe on that flame that it becomes a mighty flame, that it becomes a raging furnace. Holy Spirit, come. We, I need you, God. His presence is bigger than anything you're ever going through. I can tell you that. I know this. And it's, you can say it's easy for you to get up there and say that. Yes, it is. Why? Because the whole, I've experienced the Holy Spirit. 
I have stuff going on in my life and in my family and in my world, and so do you. And I'm not going to get up here so we can share all our troubles, but rather that this God that we serve who sends his spirit empowers you to rise above the stuff that's going on and keep going and somehow have some joy and purpose in your life and know who you are as a son and daughter of God. You need to know that. I need to know that. And I'll remind myself tomorrow if I'm not feeling too happy with myself. We all do that. Just want to go back. I'm getting close to finishing, but not quite. Not yet, chap. Not quite. Almost there. <coughs> just, just letting you know. Just go back to that, that village where we got tear gassed. <laughs> On the Friday out there, I was out there preaching. We had a great time. There was miracles. People were getting healed. One guy had come to church on, and he was there on the Wednesday when I went back and I just prophesied. I say, I'm not very prophetic, but when I was away, I was doing it all the time. Although today I'm doing fairly well. But anyway, I just prophesied into him. Young guy, early 20s. And uh, late, on the Friday, he said he, he, he was feeling really sick. He'd had the flu. He wasn't really going to come, and then he just decided to come. And I just spoke into him, and he got healed. He, he, whatever was going on, he got healed. Another man said he'd had this problem with, like in his head, it's like tissues in, in the capillaries in his head. Uh, I don't know if that's a, a medical way of describing things, but that's how it felt. And the, on the last day, just in, in, as they were ministering together with each other, laying hands on each other, he got healed. Stuff like that happened. Pastor said it's been a great week of miracles and, miracles and healings and the presence of God. Thanked me for coming and loving them. It was just an amazing time. So on this Friday, Pastor Willie and, uh, Pastor Willie and the pastor of the church had gone to a meeting. I was in charge. I was, left, I was left in charge. By this time, we all knew each other. And, and they'd gone to a meeting, meeting with the, the, the commander of internal security from that region, which I'm not sure exactly what internal security is, but apparently it's an anti-corruption police force. The local police commander, who was a bit corrupt, plus a few other people, <coughs> to try and sort out Monday's fiasco. Finally, some of them came back and spoke to the church. It was... Not quite an apology, but it was pretty close. And uh, I realised that pretty every well everything was being said was being addressed to me. took me a while. Even one of the policemen, one of the local coppers with the khaki uniforms and the batons, he, he got up and he spoke and how he said how he often patrol, when he's patrolling, he'd check around the church and make sure everything's there. And if there's prayer meetings, he made sure that no one was going to interfere, even though they weren't supposed to have prayer meetings at night, apparently. It was very conciliatory. So that was great. Finally, we, we left there. Pastor Willie's wife, Anne, came and, and got us and we headed out along the, the road. The road was more like a really rough bush track to the main road, which was a reasonable road. We pulled up there for a couple of things and this copper was there looking for a lift into town. He'd changed into civvies, had a tie and a jacket on and a little suitcase. He was going into the, into the town of the headquarters for something there, but he lived out in, in this village, and, uh, and he was looking for a ride, so we gave him a ride into town. He was one of the stormtroopers, so to speak, and he was quite a nice guy, and he, we chatted away, and we got into the, into the city, and we let him off where he was going, and I was talking to him at the boot, and I said to him, I said, oh, I said, I'll be back there Sunday preaching, you got to come to church. He says, oh, I might, he was there. Just ask people to church, and they come. 
It happens a few times over there. I'd ask someone to come to church in the shop and they'll be there on the Sunday. There you go. The thing is, the Holy Spirit was at work in people's hearts in that many different ways that I really don't know how to even evaluate it or count it. But the Holy Spirit does stuff. The Holy Spirit does stuff. You listen to this from Acts chapter... I reckon this is... This is I'd love to... Well, actually, I think I'd get into stuff like this anyway. I, I love this. Now, here we go. i just got to get, the, get it open at the, at the right spot. I've lost it. That's because it's the wrong, gospel, wrong book. You've got to get the right book. If, if you open up and you get the, the right verses and it's not there, you're in the wrong book. So here we go. <coughs> here we go. This is Acts chapter 8. So Philip had been sent on this road south, to go south. An angel had told him to do that. And so he heads down on this road and there's this carriage travelling along there with this Ethiopian official, like he is like a high official. He also was a religious man, he'd been to Jerusalem and he'd been there to worship and he's returning home and he's seated in his carriage and he's reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Now this, I think, is really amazing. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Didn't tell him to do anything else, just go over there. How many of you have had that nudge for the Holy Spirit to go over there but didn't tell you anything else so you didn't? But that's what he did. And as a result, he explained the scriptures, this person received Christ and got baptised. How cool is that? So, Sometimes the Holy Spirit just says, go over there and do this. On Sunday, when you were just having an amazing time here at church, overcoming difficulties, but the word was still being preached and God was still in the house, we were travelling back from Narracourt. I didn't get to church on Sunday morning. Ooh, but I didn't. And so I said, okay, the time we're going to get to Strathalbum is lunchtime. Let's go to the Victoria because they have the Mexican Health Bowl. I just love their Mexican Health Bowl. It is absolutely awesome. So we go in there and it's jammed, packed with people. There's more tables and chairs out. And I thought, I think most of them have got their food. We might be all right here. And so I'm going to finish with this too, by the way. So if you can come up, Chad. <laughs> um, and, and uh, so I went up and ordered Mexican Health Bowl. I just love the Mexican Health Bowl. And, and the girl says, we probably, you probably won't get served for at least, 20, for at least 50 minutes. And I said, oh, I just want to get home and I'm hungry. So we said, oh, well, let's just go down to the bakery. The bakery's pretty good there on that corner, isn't it? You be, if you haven't been there, you need to go there. And so we walked in there, and that's pretty busy, but bakeries are amazing places. A good bakery somehow can just churn people through and everyone's happy and everyone's happy behind the counter and they were happy and the customers are happy. So Maureen, there's one table <coughs> and so Maureen goes and sits at this table, seating for six. So while I'm lined up, I could hear her talking. Some guy had sat down at the end of the table and Maureen seemed to be okay with this and she's talking to him. And so I got our stuff and went there and there's this man, he's around the 60 and uh, she was, she'd been talking to him and, and I thought, well, okay, this is going somewhere. So I said, so he started telling us about, a bit about himself. He'd moved down there a few years ago. His wife had dementia and, and she eventually died. And I think he ate at places like that. The staff seemed to know him and like him. And then it turned out that he was like going through chemotherapy for a, like a pretty nasty form of cancer. 
And, uh, and so we talked about that and I said about pain and he was in a lot of pain. But he had a, had a bright demeanour about him. And then I... Anyway, the conversation finished, we'd finished. And I started to say, before we go, can, and, and, and as I was saying this, Maureen said at the same time, can we pray for you? So we're in a busy bakery in Strathalban. And he says, looked a bit stunned. And he said, yeah, that would be good. So Maureen was sat next to him and I was sat at the other end of the table. She put his hand on, on his arm and she started praying. Now he didn't bow his head, he just looked at her. And I want to say, it was almost like he had, had like ice blue eyes just looking at her. You know, penetrating eyes and, I, and that. And then when I prayed, he looked at me as well. Prayed that for a good report from his next doctor's visit, for God to do stuff. I can't remember what we said, but we didn't mess around with it, but we also were sensitive to the man's situation. And then we, but it was these eyes that were, were just looking at us. And so eventually we went. We'll go there every now and then, so I'll probably see him and I'll be looking for the next instalment. So the Holy Spirit says, go and walk beside that carriage. Go and sit at that table. Or if Maureen can come up, we need a microphone too. Have you got one? Or it could be, go and talk to that man there. So on Monday, um, the thing that, that going to the Pro Club has done for me is given me a big kick and reminding me that every day, that wherever I go, the Holy Spirit goes with me. And so I was walking down the street, and there's a guy that I talk to on and off, and he's sat on the bench, and, hello, how's the family, how's the girls? And he's a young, young guy compared to me, he's only in his 40s. And, um, and I just, st normally I was rushing to go for lunch, so I was, and then I came back, and I stood with him, and. The smell of him was, anyone that knows me know I don't tolerate bad smells. And, and um, I don't think he's very unwashed. And, and um, so anyway, I'm talking to him and, and he was just spilling all this stuff. And I said, okay, Lord, what do you want me to say? And as I looked down, he actually had Jesus tattooed on, his, on the top side of his hand. So I actually took his hand and I turned it over and, you know, just told him that the Jesus that he has the back of, on the back of his hand is the Jesus that holds him in his hand and that, you know, he's never let him go. And I was able to speak some words into him that were just for him. But for me, it's that opportunity with the, when we have the Holy Spirit in us, Everywhere we go, we take him. Mm. Look for the opportunities. And Maureen, just, just make mention of what your impressions are with that man at Strath. I just said to him afterwards, I'm, I swear he was an angel. But he was telling me he'd won $3,000 on the pokies, so angels could pray pokies, and I don't know. <laughs> but I will never get the picture of his eyes. Mm. You know, I just every time I think about him, I see these piercing blue eyes. So you never know. So what do you do with this? What do you do with all of this? It's not complicated. It's simply this. 
Believe in God the Holy Spirit. Believe in God the Holy Spirit. Know and know him. Get to know his voice. Get to know his voice. If you don't know how to know his voice, just keep asking till you do. Get to know his voice and get to know his presence. Let's stand and worship our amazing God. Today, I'm going to be here and and our ministry team. And it may be that today you need some prayer. Maybe you need some counsel or some help to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to, to be able to hear the Holy Spirit more. You may need healing. You may have a, something going on that's nothing to do with what we've said. But what I do know is that God is to do with you and he has something for you today. If there are things that are going on with you, don't leave today until you've gone to God with it. If you don't want to come to the front, grab one of us later or go to someone you trust. Hey, and by the way, don't forget to tell each other about the words you have for them or for the church. Don't forget to tell Chad. So we're ready to worship. Ready to worship, do some stuff with God. This has been a podcast from Bayside Church International. Thanks for listening.